So there was this boy in high school who had this major crush on a girl. And this girl made it clear that she didn't like this boy back. She told the boy straight up, hey, you're cool, we're friends, I just don't like you in that way. So you could imagine this girl's surprise when she opened the door and found 1,500 roses delivered to her front doorstep. So the crazy thing is that even after getting the roses, this girl rejected the boy. She said, I'm still not interested in you. The roses aren't going to change that. But here's the thing. When I heard the story of my relative when I was in high school as well, I thought this relative was crazy. I was like, this is what love is. This is what true love is. This person is making such a grand gesture. What more could she want? Why would she reject this guy? It was only when I was much older and I heard and saw the effects of a phenomenon called love bombing that I realized that my relative was a lot more emotionally smart than I was at that age. And she probably prevented herself from years of manipulation and maybe even abuse. Today, we are going to talk about love bombing, everything to look out for, and all of the potential risks and implications. Let's get started. Welcome to Masala Takes. This is where I share my spicy masala takes on stories from the internet and topics related to culture, identity, and human dynamics. If a romantic partner showers you with love, affection, praise, attention, that should be a good thing, right? If they make you feel special and loved, if they tell you that you're the perfect person for them, isn't that what love is all about? Well, here's the thing. Too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. And that's kind of what love bombing is all about. Love bombing is a manipulation tactic that's employed by toxic and abusive people in toxic and abusive relationships. It's so sneaky that sometimes you don't even really know what hit you until it's a little bit too late. It's also hard to even know what you're looking for. Today I'm going to be going into this in detail and I think it's something that's really important that people know about. First of all, if you're in a healthy, amazing relationship and you think, this is not for me, this doesn't impact my life, well, here's the thing. Love bombing is not limited to romantic relationships. You can be love bombed by a family member. You can be love bombed by a friend. So it's still worth listening to. But I think even more important is that you could know people who are in these relationships. And it's so important to understand what the signs are so that we can look out for the people that we care about. Let's get started on this episode. There's so much I learned about when I studied for this episode, and there's so much for me to share. So love bombing is basically a manipulation tactic where excessive affection and love is used to almost overwhelm a target and is often used to get something in return. The thing about love is that if you shower love on someone and if somebody feels that love, it's a good thing. But if there's an ulterior motive, if it's conditional in any way, it becomes insincere and there are long-term risks of that kind of behavior. In the example that I shared earlier about the flowers, my relative had already communicated to this boy that she wasn't interested in him romantically. But after the flowers, she might have felt manipulated and pressured to, you know, give this relationship a chance. Like, this person's making such a huge effort. Maybe I should try to be in this relationship. Maybe I should say yes. This is exactly how a huge gesture can be used as a manipulation tactic. Even the person who was love bombing probably thought that gesture was a sincere expression of love. but. That person was using those flowers as a way to get something in return. And that's when it kind of airs on the side of love bombing. 
this is not healthy because it creates a sense of indebtedness between one person and the other person. So some characteristics of love bombing could be an excessive show of affection or love. It could feel a little bit more intense than what you might be used to getting from other relationships in your life. It could also be just a general rapid intensification of the process. So what that means is it's like, you know, you've, we've all heard of these whirlwind love stories when people are like, you know what, if you know, you just know, and you meet someone and they get married within three months and they got engaged in a month and they moved in together the week after they met, like these kinds of things from the outside could seem really magical. I mean, I've been guilty of, of looking at these relationships and being like, oh my goodness, you know, to my husband, we never had this honeymoon phase where everything was magical and I just wanted to move in with you in a week. But the thing is that that rapid intensification is actually a very clear telling sign of love bombing. It's typically one person in that relationship or dynamic that's pressuring the other person to some degree through the show of affection and love. It all feels very positive to say, we should just be married and be together because I met you and you're the one for me. Um, but these are some of the signs to look out for that excessive rapid show of love. But here's the thing, right? So far, everything I've shared, I mean, it could be okay because, I mean, if you get engaged to someone that shows you a lot of love and attention, who tells you that you're perfect every day, that could be a good thing. But there's a very sinister side to love bombing. There are some long-term implications that show up sometimes after that initial love bombing phase. And that's when things start to get a little bit scary for the love bombie. The, the person who is being love bombed. Let's call them the love bombie. So there are a couple of signs to look out for. The first sign you could look out for is isolation. Love bombing is about control over another person. It's about making that person feel indebted to you in some way or another. And the best way to get control over another person is to basically alienate the other people from their lives, the people that give them support and love today. And Initially, if you're in that relationship, it could be something that's very subtle. So it could be, you know, hey, did you notice that your mom didn't call you last week? That's so weird. Like, she really should have called you. Didn't you have that big test? Maybe she doesn't love you. You kind of start hearing these like little tiny manipulation tactics, and it could feel like, oh, you know what? Maybe they're right. And you slowly start isolating these people. It could also be just a lot more direct and a lot more intense. And especially if you're used to like, you know, gender norms and relationships, it could be something as straight up as, hey, I really don't want you talking to your sister anymore because she disrespected me last weekend. And you can't have somebody disrespecting your husband. You can't have somebody disrespecting your partner. And that could be a really direct form of isolation. So it could be something that people do in kind of a sneaky way. They could say, hey, I got a job in a different country and we've got to move there. This is a really good opportunity. And now all of a sudden you're moving away from everything you've ever known. And you didn't really want to do that, but now you're committed in a relationship. The other thing to look for when it comes to love bombing is manipulation. And the interesting thing about manipulation is that it's, it's such a big word and it's so hard to pinpoint what that feels like. So I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can from the perspective of love bombing and what that might feel like. The thing is, when you get into a relationship with someone, you want to be in a relationship with the person you got into the relationship with, if you know what I mean, right? Like if you fell in love with someone because they were so big with their gestures and they took you out to dinners and you just loved the way that they cared about you or the words they used to describe you, then you want to do everything you can to make sure that that's the person that you're going to get five years from now, 10 years from now. You want to feel the way you felt when you fell in love with this person. But the thing about love bombing and the affection that's given in this conditional way is that 
when that person gets what they want or when that person's needs have been met or if that person is not getting what they want from this relationship, then that affection that they give is just not there anymore. Because it's conditional, you feel this fear almost to be like, okay, wait, if I don't show up the way I showed up that exact way, this person isn't going to express love to me. And you feel kind of scared, indebted. And the other thing too is because they like to get control over you, they like to have you in a vulnerable position, you could feel indebted to them in so many other ways. They could say, in the example I mentioned earlier where you know, maybe they suggested that you move away. Well, now you don't have a job. You don't have an income. And you're indebted to them for everything. You're indebted to them for support. They've isolated you from their family. This could be a really scary place to be in. And when someone has that much control over you, it could be a fear-based thing. And that's what the manipulation feels like in love bombing, because it's like, I have to behave a certain way or I'm going to be in trouble. A word that people might use to describe this could be like a roller coaster. You could see it in other people, or you might even see it in your own relationship, where you could be like, the highs are so high, but you don't know what those lows feel like. And that brings me to the third point, and the third thing that you should look out for as a negative effect of love bombing, and that is withdrawal. The thing about love bombers is once they get what they want, they could completely withdraw all of their love bombing behavior. They could just stop it completely. And in fact, even more scary is they could go in the other direction and actually show up with anger and borderline or real emotional abuse, like I'm calling it what it is. It could be a really scary switch flip. And that level of distance could be really scary for someone to experience. Like imagine getting into a relationship, any sort of relationship with someone you love and you trust. And now all of a sudden a switch has flipped and things look different. The thing to note is that these switches typically tend to flip when they feel like their control is being established. So you might hear stories of people being like, oh my goodness, he was an amazing boyfriend. But the second we got engaged, the switch flipped. Or the second we got pregnant, the switch flipped. And it's because this person, this love bomber feels like they have gotten and succeeded in that control and manipulation over you that now they don't have to be on their best behavior. They can do whatever they want. And that's when things can get really uncomfortable and really scary. And, and here's the thing about love bombing, right? When love bombing starts, it could feel really beautiful. And you have to be so vigilant and so clear on understanding what the signs are so that you don't get trapped into one of these situations. Now, I haven't personally ever been love bombed before, but I've actually been guilty of romanticizing these types of relationships and even been envious of people who are like, you know, um, getting 1500 roses dropped off at their doorstep. Like, how come I've never experienced that kind of love? So because I'm not an expert at all in any of these topics, I found a really interesting thread on Reddit where real people who have experienced love bombing in relationships share their take on love bombing and they answer the question, how do you know that you are being love bombed? I think this is a really important thread to go through because it shows up in so many different ways for different people. And it just helps with the awareness and making sure that we are approaching the relationships in our life and we are supporting the people that we love from the relationships in their life. So let's read some excerpts from this thread. One comment says, I was pretty starved emotionally as a child, and when dating became a thing, it was like I'd cracked the code to being loved. I was cute and decent looking in my teens and early 20s, so it made finding boys really easy. 
The problem was that I was so desperate for someone to show me they loved me that the love bombing felt amazing. I was like, wow, this is what it's supposed to be like. When someone loves you, you're supposed to be the center of their world. I was in awe of it and I couldn't get enough. The first few times, the love bombing turned into future faking and eventually completely slowed to a grinding halt and then turned in the other direction towards complete neglect, even being cheated on. These experiences completely destroyed myself for a while. I think this is an important thing to note is that a lot of times we don't have a good example in our life of what healthy love looks like, what healthy relationships look like. And when you're starved of attention in any sense of the word, um, emotionally especially, I feel like emotional intellect and emotional maturity tends to be lacking in a lot of Desi families, probably in a lot of families of all cultures, but I'm Desi, so that's my experience. But in a lot of Desi families, I feel like there's not that emotional maturity. And there are a lot of emotionally starved women and people in the world. And this is such an attractive thing for them because they don't know what love looks like. And it feels like love. The next comment says, I felt uncomfortable. Being showered with love shouldn't make you feel uncomfortable. I think it's really important to understand what these things could feel like because the actions can be really hard to pinpoint. So the feelings are really important and we should always be trusting our gut when it comes to any sort of relationship. One says, I didn't figure out until I told him I was leaving for real after 13 years of marriage. I agreed to one counseling session to appease him and the treacles that flowed out of his mouth, how great I am, how much he loves me, blah, blah was so fake and inconsistent with his actions that I was physically repulsed. He was so kind and loving when he was begging me not to leave him and so cruel when he realized I wasn't backing down. Like so cruel, unreal. The abuse cycle and trauma bonds are no joke. Yeah, this is the flip of the switch we talked about and this is what it could look like in a real relationship and that's, that's scary, that's so uncomfortable to experience. One comment says, Everything I did was amazing. I had a guy get excited that my favorite animated movie was a movie he had only seen one time as a child. He didn't even remember it. Yet he cited that as a reason I was perfect. I was a perfect match for him. Anything I did, even if it directly conflicted with one of his opinions, would turn into yet another reason I was perfect. Another comment says, I didn't put two and two together until a few months of dating. I had never heard of the term before. I didn't think there was anything wrong at the time. Literally one day after our first date, this guy asked me to be his girlfriend. I said yes, because I was definitely in an emotionally vulnerable state back then. I was pretty desperate to be in a relationship and went with the first guy who treated me like a human being after running into a string of emotionally unavailable guys. Anyways, me and this guy dated for a few months and most of the time I was his main focus. He called me out. He skipped work often to hang out with me all day. He always told me how perfect I am and how he can't believe I'm with someone like him. That's a telltale sign. He avoided arguments and disagreements like the plague. He spent money on buying me things instead of paying bills sometimes. He told my mom that he was planning on getting me pregnant, which was very strange to me. He told me that he loved me a few days after meeting. Looking back now, all of this sounds insane to just overlook. But I was a firm believer that when you meet someone and you know that they're the one, everything is going to be perfect. No, it takes time to really get to know someone. No matter how bad you feel like you're ready to be in a serious relationship, start a family and all of that, take your time with dating and understand that things can't be rushed. So when I mentioned that rapid intensification of this relationship type, this is what it looks like in real life. Like things move 
really quickly and they want to lock you down. And again, it's all about that control. They want to get you pregnant and get you married. And I'm glad that this person is out of this relationship. Um, this one says, it happened after every screaming session. My mom would just go off on me for the most random of reasons. Then afterwards, it was a complete 180. Lots of hugs and kisses and affection. As an adult, I could recognize it in men and steered very, very clear. People who love bomb seem like they're trying very hard because that's what they're doing, trying. Love and affection is a natural thing and it's not something to be forced. I really wanted to include this example because I wanted to highlight that this is not necessarily limited to romantic relationships or cis-heteronormative relationships or any type of relationships. It's not limited to gender. It's not limited to color. It's not limited, limited to ethnicity. Like, This could happen with your mom. This could happen with your sister. This could happen with a new friend you met at work that all of a sudden is like at your house with lattes on a Sunday morning and being super friendly and extra and buying you things. These types of relationships can happen in any setting. And that's why it's so important to be aware of. And that's why I wanted to include this comment as well. Now, one other comment says, I'm in a situation right now where I think the love bomb has finally exploded. Everything I do and say is wrong. I literally can't get through a sentence without being interrupted by him. He called me the B word. He physically hurt me. He wouldn't let me hug him or kiss him. Then I brought up that I didn't feel good and he cried and yelled at me saying that I'm manipulating him. I left and I'm scared to go back and face him. This, is this person says, I felt like a fool. The reason I wanted to include this comment is because I wanted to highlight how difficult it can be to cut ties from this type of relationship. You really feel like a fool because you were duped, you were manipulated, and especially if you were isolated and it got to that point, it could be really hard to go back to those people that you kicked out because you wanted to prioritize this relationship that you now know is a sham. So getting out can be really hard, um, but I think, you know, if you think you might be in a relationship like this, Don't listen to a podcast. Go and get professional help. Go talk to a licensed therapist and see what steps that you can take to exit this relationship in a safe and supported way. And if you feel like you don't have the support of your family or friends anymore, there are ways that you can find that support. So please go out and get it. Okay, so this is one final example. It says, I dated an ex for three years when I was 20 and he was 24. He was abusive in every way except physically. I can only remember this incident toward me at the end of our relationship, and I'm not sure what prompted it, but I came home to his house and there was a big bouquet of flowers and a cookie from my favorite place waiting for me. This, from a man who used to brag that the florist he used knew him by name because he went there so much for his exes, but not once in three years did he ever buy me flowers. He didn't do anything nice for me. He came home and he was suddenly being sweet. He asked if I liked the flowers. Oh, did you see that the cookie was from your favorite place? At that point, I had already signed a lease to move away from him, and I was just waiting for the keys. I just wasn't falling for it anymore. The reason I wanted to include this story is I also wanted to highlight the fact that love bombing might not follow that very traditional path where it starts with all the love and the affection and the attention, and then the manipulation and the terrible things happen after. It's very possible to just get into a relationship with someone who's not the greatest, someone who doesn't treat you well. It could be all you've seen in relationships growing up. It could be a self-esteem issue. There's so many reasons people get into these bad relationships. And I wanted to highlight this because love bombing is something that could happen down the line. It's something that you could get into a relationship, but every time you want to do something that puts that person at jeopardy, like in this case, you wanted to leave the relationship. That person got scared 
and then they started love bombing. It was something that happened down the line. And it's still a red flag. So it's still something to note. Like, you should never be in that situation and be like, oh my goodness, I was about to leave this guy, but he got me a cookie for my favorite place and he must love me. And I think we need to start seeing it for what it is. And that's that it is love bombing. So honestly, if I didn't know what love bombing was, and if I was the type of person who got attention from guys in my teens or early 20s, I would have definitely fallen into the trap of something like this. Like if I was my relative, I would 100% still be in a toxic relationship with the 1500 Roses guy, 100%. The thing is that I think it's such an easy trap to fall into because it feels so Bollywood in a way. I mean, we've seen the story a thousand times, right? This bad boy meets this girl and all of a sudden his entire personality changes because he's trying to woo this girl into a relationship. Even worse, the Bollywood story we've all seen where the girl says no and we've heard the songs, right? Your no means my yes. And that guy weasels his way into this girl's life and manipulates her and does everything that he needs to do to make sure that this girl falls in love with him at the end. And if you think about these Bollywood stories, they all end up with the marriage or the relationship being finalized and nothing really after that. That's the love we grew up on. Those were the love stories that we fawned over. We were looking at, you know, the Shah Rukh Khans and the Hrithik Roshans and the Salman Khans acting in these roles and we wanted that for ourselves. But if you look at this logically, 99% of those relationships, if you followed them after the final scene of the Bollywood movie, those relationships would have been super toxic. They would have been terrible. And logically, this makes sense, right? That it's not going to lend itself to a happy ending. But I think when we get into these relationships, we're not often thinking logically, we're often thinking with our heart. And our heart is often just responding to our collection of experiences, what we've seen. And the second we see someone, you know, the real life Raj showing up on vacation, telling you that they want to marry you as soon as they're back, even though you've only known them for four days on a trip. If you know the story, you know the story. But like the second we see that, we're like, this must be love. And it's not. So here are my three big takes on love bombing and on relationships at large. Number one is in the relationships we choose to get into. So like romantic relationships or friendships, we have got to love ourselves first before we seek relationships from other people. This initial love from a love bomber can feel so attractive and wonderful, but that's why it's so important to love yourself first. As South Asians, I think we're so bound by this timeline. Like everybody has a number in their head of what's too old to get married. I remember when I was in my early 20s, like still in undergrad, people were pressuring me, telling me that I have to start thinking about marriage as soon as I get out because I'm not getting any younger. And when I eventually did get married, I was 25, which is so young. But the amount of pressure that I felt at that time from the community, from my family, it was intense. It was too much. And I think that that pressure that women face, especially because of the biological clock on top of that, it kind of pressurizes people to get into relationships before they're ready. In fact, there's not really a culture in South Asian families or any families that I've known for that matter, where there's an emphasis on relationship readiness. In fact, the only criteria to be ready for a relationship is age. And the bar has to be higher than that. That bar is way too low. We need to be telling ourselves and telling our children that they should be emotionally healthy. They should be fully satisfied. They should have things that they love, things that make them proud of themselves. They should love the skin they're in. They should think they're beautiful. All of these things should happen first. 
Now, my second take is that we really need to be talking about unhealthy relationship behaviors. We need to be sharing our stories. We need to be listening to stories of other people. See, the thing is that love bombing is just one of many, many, many red flags to look out for. But I was never taught to look out for red flags at all. Again, the bar was just so low when it came to relationships. We should be teaching our daughters and our sons what these red flags are before they get into relationships. And we should be encouraging an open dialogue. So if they identify these red flags, they feel comfortable to come to us. And in order for us to instill that on our children, on the people that we love, we need to be able to instill that in ourselves. We need to be understanding what these different psychological phenomenons are. The thing is that if we don't know what to look out for, it becomes very easy to be blindsided. And we should not want that for ourselves or for the people around us. Now, my third take on love bombing and on relationships at large is that we really need to stop romanticizing these quick relationships and quick decisions. In my Indian community, things have changed quite a bit. But when I was a teenager, dating was really frowned upon. Culturally, people didn't date. They stayed celibate, they studied, they focused on their education, and then when time was right, they got married, right? And this message was drilled in my head from when I was a little girl, that that's what I was supposed to do, and dating was bad, and oh my goodness, did you see that person? She's going around town with this boy, it's so terrible. Because of this messaging drilled into my head, in my limited dating experience, I was thinking about marriage from day one, which gave me zero opportunity to explore any relationship in a healthy way. In fact, I didn't even want to see any red flags because I was like, well, I'm dating this person now, so I should be thinking about marriage. In fact, if someone even told their parents they were dating someone in my kind of generation, that meant that you were going to get married to that person. Like I know people who had many, many relationships and didn't tell their parents about any of them. They're boyfriends were never introduced to their family. They were never, you know, ingrained into their family. They never got to see their boyfriends in their element, in their family element, integrate. And that's a terrible thing in itself. In fact, I even knew some people who waited for like half a decade before they told their parents that they were dating the person that they were dating because they weren't ready for marriage yet. And here's the other thing. The thing is, when I was growing up and you told your parents you were dating somebody, it was like, well, all right, When's the next window to get married? Because you're getting married right away because we don't want you going around town with this person. But again, it kind of limits that person's ability to explore the relationship. So the people who are more rebellious, which I was not, would not tell their parents about the relationship until they were literally ready to get married. And some people to this day have parents who think that the relationship lasted six months when it really lasted six years. When I got married, I actually followed an arranged marriage path. And if my mom had her way with timelines, I would have been married within like three or four months of meeting Arjun. And I eventually did get married to Arjun, but my heart races thinking about the intense pressure I felt to make a decision because everybody knew that I was talking to Arjun. And that pressure puts everyone in the relationship in a terrible and vulnerable position but it's so, so, so common for Indian families. And we just need to stop. Like we need to put a full stop to this behavior because it's scary and it's not cool. And I have a really bad internal response just talking about it. And the reason for that is when you're rushed in these situations, when you're rushed to make these big life decisions, you tend to blind yourself to what the red flags could be. You're not being mindful. You're not recognizing scary patterns. You're not having the real conversations. 
because there's too many external pressures on that relationship. And we need to stop romanticizing that. I think media has a big role to play because of the types of relationships we saw growing up. But as people, we need to question the media and change our mindset. And I'm very, very passionate about point number three, clearly. Now, I mentioned this before, but if you're in this situation, if you know someone who is in this situation, talk to a professional, get help and get a plan. And if you know someone who you think is being isolated from you, someone who you love, who's now in a relationship that you haven't heard from in a long time, let them know that you're still there from them. One thing that I learned about when I was reading about love bombing is that especially in these scenarios where people are isolated from their loved ones, they feel like they can't go back. They feel like they've burnt that bridge and they're being told daily, constantly from the love bombing partners that these people don't love them anymore. They believe it truly and that makes it harder for them to escape a bad situation. So even if you're not in this person's life, if you once loved someone and you think that they're being isolated in the relationship, just let them know that you're always there for them. And no matter what, if anything changes, that you can, they can always call you. I feel like that goes a long way. And that's kind of what I understood from the research that I did on this topic. So what do you think about this episode? Should we break down more of these relationship red flags? Have, do you know someone who has been loved bomb before? Or have you? Share your stories because I want to hear from all of you. And I feel like there's so much that we can collectively learn by all of you sharing your stories. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We are a video and audio podcast. You can find us everywhere at Masala Takes. And we will see you next week where I will be sharing my take on some stories from real people on the internet. See you then. Bye.